Welcome back for episode 39 of Self-Signed Artist. What does every artist picture as soon as they're finished writing the best song of their life? The music video. Today, we're talking to two creators about how they make high-quality videos on reasonable budgets. You're listening to Self-Signed Artist, the podcast that helps independent musicians run their brand like a business. Now, your hosts, Kobe Nelson and Jake Mannix. How's it going, everybody? I'm Kobe Nelson, and I'm here with Jake Mannix. Hello, hello. How's it going, Jake? It's going all right. Reporting from LA again. <laughs> and the garage. And the garage. Got the lights up. It's looking pretty good in there. Yes, yes. How's it going over there in the <laughs> Connecticut? Pretty good. It's snowing like crazy here. We've got like eight inches or something like that right now. And counting, I think it's going to go for a few more hours. So got to stay home from work today. So nice. that was fun. Nice. Yeah. Today for our episode, I'm really excited because we're talking about an area of the music industry that I know next to nothing about, but it's also an area that I get asked questions about fairly regularly, and that's music videos. And Jake, I was thinking, I don't know, have you have you ever made a music video or been a part of a music video? Um, I've been a part of a couple. Nothing like super high budget, but definitely my friends putting in their absolute best effort. <laughs> have you, you haven't done one yourself though, right? Like for my own music? Right. Yeah, uh, the Morning Sound did one. Uh, Manix oh, right, did one. Right. Yeah, I didn't know Manix did one. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to know about it. No one really <laughs> has to know about that one. <laughs> well, our, our two guests today can help us fill in some of the gaps on this topic, or help me fill in some of the gaps on this topic, because they both work for an internet media entertainment company. I don't know exactly what you would call it, but a company called Rooster Teeth, which some of our listeners out there may have heard of. And they recently finished up a really cool music video project with an artist named Malik. So I definitely want to talk a little bit about that and also just kind of making music videos in general. So we want to welcome to the podcast, Cameron Pester and Wes Ellis. What's up? Hello. How's it going? <laughs> Thank you guys both for coming on. Yeah, we're happy to be here. I hope we can fill in these gaps. It's funny coming on and talking <laughs> about something like this where I still very much feel like I have an entire career of knowledge to learn, but uh, <laughs> we're excited. Yeah, I mean, I've I've directed like music videos and then the most recent is like the most legit music video. So I'm happy to talk about that one. That one's really exciting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Music videos are funny because, like Jake said, like it's very okay to not know about like the early ones. Um, I think we all have <laughs> yeah. a couple of those in our back pocket. It's like, yeah, we did our best. But. <laughs> if I ever, if I you know have some like, if you look at like David Venture's directing credits, they'll be like music videos for all these bands in the '90s. I think all the ones I've done prior to the, the one that's about to release uh, will not be on any sort of IMDb. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys still have way more experience than I have, having never done anything with a music video at all. Um, so before we kind of dive into actually talking about the the latest video that you guys did and kind of what goes into music videos, can you each just give us a little bit of a background into what you do, especially when it comes to vi music videos or anything else with Rooster Teeth and stuff like that? Yeah, totally. I can go first because Wes's background, I think, is more interesting than mine. Um, <laughs> so I, I come I come more from a technical perspective. I at Rooster Teeth and in my freelance work do uh, a lot of camera operating and editing. So in terms of like technical execution, I'm usually easier to consult there than I am with like a creative execution. So, yeah, at Rooster Teeth, like I said, I, I run a camera um, working from home right now. I mostly just edit. But I come in and shoot merch videos with Wes all the time. Anything from like small stuff on handheld camera to like large scale projects on cinema gear. We kind of cover the whole range there. And Wes and I have a great working relationship where we consult a lot on like stylized lighting and a bit more direction to it than I think gets put into the the field. So yeah, it's it's fun. We we have a lot of we have our own style that we're building, and I think we're both kind of changing as creators all the time. So I feel like my job title changes along with it. But <laughs> yeah, a, a technical angle for me. Nice, very cool. Yeah, and I um I always wanted to be a filmmaker growing up, 
but didn't have the means to really go to film school. In high school, I had a mom who had like a midlife crisis and was like, I'm going to go to film school. I was like, oh, that's cool. That's what I wanted to do, but that's (laughs) fine. So she went and did it. And then I was uh, on set of music videos a lot and short films and documentaries and stuff with her and realized that's what I want to do. But due to personal reasons, wasn't really in the in the scope of what I could do. So took up photography. Photography was this cool thing that to me was like, oh, wow, music videos, short films, movies, all that stuff takes a lot of money. But like photo shoots can be kind of like a one man, like limited budget thing. So mm-hmm. I kind of treated it like, I mean, it, it took a long time to get to where I am, but it, it I kind of treated it like, like each little photo shoot was like my audition or my like reel for one day hoping to direct a music video or something and treat each photo shoot with like a like a cinematic perspective to it so i right now at rooster teeth i'm the marketing creative lead and photographer so i don't do a ton of like i i am more so now for like merch videos that cameron works on i do directing for those but yeah but my dream is to be like a director so that's what we uh star we star wars like episode recently. 15 directed by wes <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> <laughs> give me give me like 20 years yeah. be good. <laughs> right so can we talk a little bit about this video with malik then and like how this project came about I, i've watched it it's it's really cool it hasn't come out yet but it's kind of unique it's sort of like a multi-song not a demo reel but like a, a showcase music video kind of so can you just talk a little bit about that and and how that project came to be yeah, so I met Malik uh, a couple of years ago through a friend of a friend who is a photographer and and it, this doesn't happen a whole lot. I'm sure I don't know if it's the same in your industry, but like she's a photographer and she looked at Malik's work and Malik was like, I really want someone who can do this this style. And her herself as a photographer was like, I know the right photographer. And mm. I was like, dang, that's cool. <laughs> so it's just kind of like, and she was, I mean, she was right. Like me and Malik kind of just like clicked from the beginning a couple of years ago and he sent me some of his music and it was one of those moments when like growing up I've, as like a creative, I've always had friends who are music artists or, or people who I knew in my life who make music who was like, yo, you should make a music video for me. Or like, yo, let's work together. I want when you, I'm like, that sounds awesome. Cool. And I listen to music. I'm like, okay. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> I want to do it. Yeah. That sounds cool. But like, maybe not the, but then you listen to Malik stuff and it's, it's what, is out it's orange and these and the songs orange and red and indigo and i played them and i was like oh sh- whoa wait a second you are actually like a, an artist like <laughs> i don't know if i can curse on this podcast so i was like, i just caught it's myself fine. but uh but um a little background about malik he at like 22 he's a bedroom producer in like the truest sense didn't have any connections but was able to land a producing credit on a Ariana Grande song off of mm-hmm. uh, two like three albums ago, and then two albums ago won a Grammy for his producing credit on that Ariana Grande song. Jeez! <laughs> and then got connected with like J Cole, and now his mentor is No ID. So he's just like in, and I like listen to the music. I was like, oh my god, this is so good. And we talked very early on about about me almost like taking a co creative direction for his albums because we just are on that like same wavelength and a long time coming we talked about it like summer 2019 at one point we were going to shoot it in 2019 it got pushed to 2020 and then we had this narrative concept for a music video but due to covid and the budgets like we had some money for this but we were like man no one really knows your music yet how cool would it be if we like i don't know the feeling of it was like like watching tsunami on saturday and he in the guy in the spaceship and tsunami is like flipping through anime channels and it's like that's kind of cool like what if it was kind of like that but it's your music that these robots mm. or these like these other life forms are like i don't know downloading to them and he was like oh that sounds so cool so abstract it's, it's just like the album I was like cool so we just it kind of like worked out with like covid we were very limited to time and resources and amount of people we could have on set so it's not like we could build sets it's not like we could go to a bunch of different locations so it kind of just like, it just kind of fell into place. Well, I think that's one of the things that's really cool about it too, is that like, it's almost like these individual, like, like vignettes mm-hmm. that where you, you're tuning into like these small little chunks of a song. I know I've never seen that concept done before. Is that something that's unique to you guys? Because I don't have a ton, like in my professional career, I don't have a ton of experience. I'm not exactly sure. I haven't seen this like method that we did done a lot and I have a couple of friends who direct music videos and I've sent it to them and they're like 
They're like, wait, that's a great idea. I'm going to steal that. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> yeah. I feel like we might be the first, to, not the first ever, but like some of the first to to do this. But I, I come from a marketing background. That's what I went to, to school for. And I was like, what in my brain, I was like looking at the music on Spotify. I'm like, man, it'd be really cool if we had these like canvases, like the little vignettes that play behind the album cover. Mm-hmm. So I looked at it as like, also from a marketing perspective of like, hey, we can't really land on an exact idea for one like, Let's say, yeah, like we have this budget, but we even the but the idea we have for this story, we need might need 30k instead of like whatever a few thousand dollars. So it's like instead of doing that, what if we just got like this full marketing suite out of it where you get you do a 30 second vignette for a song, you only need six seconds for uh Spotify, and then you have a 15 second thing you can cut for an Instagram ad. So it kind of like I guess that kind of like subconsciously kicked in where I was like, this would be cool to just give you like assets, and that's where mm-hmm. I was like. Oh, let's just, I think it started with a conversation of like, honestly, okay, now I'm remembering exactly the conversation it came from. It was before, it was like, it was like a year ago. And I was like, hey, you remember the 3005 music video by Charles Gambino and how it plays through the whole song. And then the last 30 seconds is world star. And he's like, oh yeah. I was like, we should do that for two songs. And he goes, what if we did the whole album? And I was like, whoa, wait a second. I was like, like, that's a lot. That's a lot. And he's like, no, no, no. Like 30 second one shot takes for each of them. I'm like done. Yeah. So it's Malik's genius. And like, I just kind of pulled it out of him. That's awesome. (laughs) I I think as also as young filmmakers ourselves, what was really exciting about the format for that was like being extremely deliberate with each shot. Cause I, I think traditionally, not traditionally, but the the habit a lot of filmmakers fall into when they're creating music videos is to like they have like seven or eight shots in mind and they're like we'll just record the whole song in each of those shots and we'll cut back and forth between them as mm. we need it and like it becomes formulaic and and not super inspired and you have to do a lot of work on the back end to make it as cool as you're probably picturing it for us it was very much just all right we have seven shots in mind and each one of them has a very strong color theme and we're not going to get multiple angles. We might get a couple takes and like a couple different angles, but like we're only going to end up using one of those angles in the final product. So, you know, being able to tackle it from a extremely deliberate and kind of very, very structured approach made it a lot more manageable for us. And I honestly, like, I, th- I think made it easier on us too in the long run. Like the edit was, was nothing in the end, or at least assembling right. it was nothing. And because we had done so much planning and in, in, in the front end, and that kind of spawned from my photography approach as of the past like couple of years has been rather than like just meeting up with a person when, with my own personal photography, just meeting up with a person and doing a photo shoot. It's like, I guess more of like a fine art approach where it's like, I have this idea for like, I have a one, I have one photo that's probably one of my favorites. That's a, it's the, my friend Kara in like red tights and a blue like a leotard and she's like on a red carpet in a green room with like under a couch with a TV on. And that was like a very intentional shot going into this being our first times. So there was like, no, like we didn't go to, or I didn't go to film school. I don't like, I don't have like a process in mind, but I, I kind of treated it like, like each frame was like a fine art, like still mm-hmm. image. And also we shot it on 16 millimeter film. So it was like oh. one of those things we went into it knowing that we only have so much to work with. So we allotted <laughs> like, okay, we can shoot like a few minutes of this shot. Well, the shots are only 30 seconds. So like some of them we shot three, four takes. And then some of them we shot like, we actually undershot. We, we, we like, undershot what was by it? about 40%. I think we had almost three whole rolls of film left. Yeah, the end of it. We, we bought five <laughs> rolls of Kodak 500T vision 500 t and we used two of them yeah because we were so intentional which was cool because then it like we got to like sell them and make money back. anyway yeah. but uh yeah we, we, we approached it from like a fine art perspective instead of like yeah i have friends who have made music videos before and they just kind of run and gun they try to like set up a cool light in a studio and they're like all right let's record you like rapping the song and then let's let's go to this garage and record you and then we'll just have an editor figure it out mm-hmm. we kind of went into it like we didn't have it fully storyboarded, but if we had someone on the team who could have done it, we could have had it like, it could have been like a graphic novel. We knew exactly what it was going to look like each frame. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So it sounds like you guys typically have like a vision or like collaborate with the artist. Is there ever like a time when the artist comes to you with the idea and like, do you guys shape that idea or do you try to let them do it up as much as they can? Malik is a great example of some of an artist. Like I joke a lot, especially because he works with no ID, but I always tell him like, you know, like Kanye, like graduation Kanye, that's you. 
because like he comes into the the conversation with exactly what he wants. He just might not have like the tools and the knowledge and the skill to like exactly make it. So he's more than anyone. He's the artist that's come in with like an idea. And when I just, I'm just kind of there to like, if he's bringing like the rough sculpture, I'm kind of like fine tuning it and mm-hmm. putting like my style on it. But that doesn't happen often. Most of the time. Yeah. It's like an artist with like inspiration or it's an artist with like, yeah, they see another video they like, or they see some of my photography work or they see a movie they like or something. And they're like, I want to do something like this. And then they just kind of hand it off to you and they, and they get stoked with what you make. Yeah. A lot of our, a lot of our planning is asking for inspiration from the artist or the model or whoever it is. They give us that inspiration. We go in and create our own mood board or pull some of our own videos that we think like, okay, I can execute on this. And I, I like this and I think it matches the aesthetic. What do you think? And, mm-hmm. and then you just kind of take all of those ideas and start, you know, taking little bits and pieces from each one and creating your own thing out of that. But honestly, a, a lot of it is also showing up on the day and making, you, you might just throw your idea straight out the window too. <laughs> I mean, we, I think when we shot Spectrum, a, a lot of that was, that was all pretty much one day in one location. And we, we didn't know what the weather was going to be like. We didn't know if we mm-hmm. were going to have like a huge pool of water that we could park the car in and, you know, get that great shot that we have for, uh, for orange you know, all those things were kind of up in the air and we were, we knew we might have to call audibles and we we did in some cases. So, you know, best laid plans there. Fortunately it worked out for us, but you you do have to go in each project with that in mind. Right. So for you guys, like when you have, like this one had a concept that had something that you could bounce off of with the colors. Mm -hmm. When you're going into something, maybe you have a, a concept. How do you go about taking the music and choosing a style or a direction or a look for a video? Like how do those things translate like music into a look? I think it can come from several places. Like if an artist came to me with music, first thing I want to do is like pull what they were inspired by for the album or for the the Mm. project. Like, cause chances are, I mean, you guys know, like music artists aren't just inspired by music. They're sometimes inspired by like life experiences, but also movies they see, TV shows, like like Logic's a great example. He makes music that's inspired by Quentin Tarantino. So it'd be very, in that scenario, it'd be obvious to do like a Tarantino-inspired visual. But but yeah, I mean, I've also heard it where art, like directors, I guess I've personally done this, where they have an idea for something that they just kind of pocket. And then like when the right music comes to them for it, they're like, wait, I have this like kind of pre-written story. Let's like apply your music to it and, some, mm. and it works. Mm. I think... It definitely is like a, a very fluid, like a uh, very unique process for each artist. Cause like right now I'm, I'm working with this one um, in talks to work with an artist who he just sends me like mood boards from Pinterest that he made when he was writing the music. Cause it has like a retro feeling to it. So it's like very like Elton John. So we're going to use that to like, okay, what's a story we can tell and then put the filter of like seventies Elton John over it basically. Right. I think that kind of idea is a really good tip for musicians to to kind of go about writing your music with some sort of visual in mind. Like I I was thinking about Jake and I used to work at this studio called House Aloud with a producer named David Bendith who did a Paramore record and I remember him telling us about Haley Williams sitting down while she was writing. She kept notebooks of like sketches and would like cut stuff out of magazines and put it in there like as the music was being written, there was this whole like visual aesthetic that was being crafted at the same time. And I think that's a really good thing for artists to kind of think about and something that, I don't know, like I've been in a fair amount of like writing sessions and stuff like that. And I don't see people do that as often as I think they could. And having that kind of in mind from the beginning, I think is like when you come to a music video, like you have that sort of inspiration behind it. So that's something I would recommend people try doing, I guess, while they're writing music. I think the same way that like authors are supposed to keep little, a lot of authors at least recommend keeping a little journal. And if you have an idea for a story, you write it down and then you go back to it. I think for us having these mood boards and collections of videos, if you lose inspiration, then going back and seeing the stuff that initially inspired you, A, can help you just kind of break through a wall and keep creating. And B, if you're there on the day trying to make something and you're like, I know I had an idea for this. I just can't like going back to that can trigger that, that memory for you. And we do that a lot. You know, we go in with an idea for a shoot and then like are constantly pulling up the mood board, 
looking at lighting or something and being like, what is not quite right here? You know, we look back and think like, okay, you know, it could be something small or something big. And just having that reference there will kind of keep you on track. Mm. And I think a good tip for music artists, like, I mean, whether they're very experienced or, or, or brand new is I, so I'm going to plug another podcast. You guys listen to dissect the audio podcast where they break down albums. Have you ever listened I to that? I haven't. No, I've heard of it though. Okay. They did a, they did one on because of the internet by Childish Gambino and they break it down. Like they're the first episode is like all about the whole album, but then they break it down song by song per episode. And they, they talk about how Don Glover is so obsessed with like world building. And he, so he treats all his projects and albums, like whether he's like playing the main character in it, but like for that album, he, he like wrote a script and then they like built this entire world. I think you don't have to go to that extreme, but it is important, especially if you're going to eventually, you know, have like a marketing team that wants to work with you and have like other resources to have some sort of like world in mind. Even if that world in mind is the life you live right now in the house you live and like where you live, but like there's a story there. Like, and then if you can create this overall, like, yeah, like creating a mood board or like a word cloud and these things that, tie together what your project is, then that helps translate it to everyone who's going to collaborate with you on it. Because a key thing that I've learned from my experience directing is that like, just because you have an idea, because basically music artists are like directing the concept for their project to all, every, all the other collaborators. No one else knows what you're thinking. <laughs> so you have to be able to like articulate and write that down. So like, obvious, sometimes it feels obvious, but like it isn't because, and people don't know until you tell them. So I think being very articulate with like, the yeah the inspiration and the and the like the vibe and like the direction you want the like the visuals to go is really important there's nothing more frustrating than a director leaning over the camera being like it's not right yet and you have to you, you gotta like <laughs> claw it out of some people like what's not right yet I, you, right. you need these words <laughs> a good director knows how to use their words concisely exactly I laugh because like that, I mean, mm-hmm. Jake and I experience that type of thing all the time with music. And oh. I, I don't know, I kind of always think of any sort of visual art as not having that problem. But I guess it it kind of goes across everything. Because like for us, I don't know, an artist says they, I don't know, a mix comes back and it sounds too purple or <laughs> too squishy or Crispy. whatever it is. And like you have to figure out what that means. <laughs> that sounds way that does sound harder than that what sounds we do so much worse, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but but yeah people come back to us and they're like like people will just say like the lighting doesn't look right and it's like <laughs> right what's right find that yeah. like exactly what's right <laughs> that's an extremely subjective take yeah exactly <laughs> well so you guys mentioned like i mean you've talked about lighting you talked about that you you made this choice to to go with film for this latest music video for the people who maybe haven't done any video before, can you just talk about some of the decisions that need to be made like in the development process, like leading up to actually shooting something, editing it, polishing it up? Well, I think first and foremost, the the good news is if you don't know anything about cameras, like Malik, I don't think knows anything about cameras. The good news is that Malik knows lots of people who do. And I think hmm. if you're an artist and you want to make something, like look for people who know and want to do that with you like d- don't look for how to do it yourself if, if you just don't have the time i mean certainly you can but trust me it's a lot easier when you start collaborating with folks for us right i've never shot on film and i still haven't because we hired a good friend of ours eric gatling to come in and he was the director of photography on the shoot so he had some experience shooting 16 millimeter we hired a first ac who was also our film loader for it because it's all equipment you know I can edit, but I don't know how to, to shoot on it. And I don't, you know, I don't know how to expose for motion picture film and all of that. So mm-hmm. uh, for us, it was very much about collaborating with somebody who brought that, you know, technical element to the table and could, could execute on it. Yeah. I think just being like realistic about what is possible mm-hmm. too is really important. Like we, we had a budget, we had a decent amount of money for a project like this, but we had a budget and we still hit that budget. Um, no matter if your budget's uh, $0, like $100, $1,000, 10000 100000 like you will hit that budget and you will have to like always scale back. And I think like for us going into it, wanting to shoot film, we wanted to shoot film because we knew that like some of these shots were going to be like static shots of him outside. And like we could have, we definitely could have shot this entire thing digitally, but we just wanted that like tangible, like the quality and like lack of quality that film gives you. And there's like certain, co- we knew that this was going to be very colorful. So we knew that we wanted to use film because film takes color washes completely different than digital does, which is 
something I'm like totally obsessed with. And if you ever see a, a music video that has like an intense like red wash over the over the person and it looks like otherworldly, I think that's typically because it's shot on film because mm-hmm. of just how it, it translates. But that's just like that was also a personal thing. You definitely don't have to be shooting your music videos on 60 millimeter, 35 millimeter, 8 millimeter, whatever. But yeah, just being conscious of your budget and being like realistic. And I think collaborating with people, like we we definitely cut some corners knowing certain people who were able to like we had a friend who was willing to color it because he wants to be involved. So a lot like another thing I recommend is always just like collaborating, like going into the process, whether it's if you're a music artist finding like a, maybe someone in, in your area who wants to produce or something that you can like build up together mm-hmm. rather than going right. to a business that like does music videos, because then they're going to be like, yeah, we do a music videos. It's going to cost you $20,000. And you're like, yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> I don't have that. But maybe you have a friend who would love to like, you know, do their research and like learn how to produce. Like, I, I think the creative kind of is dictated by the budget, depending on if you have, like, you might have some people on your team who are just, geniuses and it can turn like a $10 light into like a studio setup. Like Cameron can do that. And that's like no big deal, but not, I mean, I, I think it just, it does come down to budget. I feel like yeah, it's such a boring answer, I feel, but, <laughs> but it, there's, there's definitely ways to like Wes said, cut those corners and do things cheap, but you know, having your resources and using them effectively is what's going to get you a great product in the end. And like, just frankly, just get you a product. If, if you have a huge vision, for something and you don't realistically know what it's going to cost to make it or what it's going to take to make it, you know, equipment wise, then you're probably going to lose a lot of steam as soon as, as soon as the first hurdle hits you and and you're like, wait a second, I I can't shoot this on a yacht. Hold on a second. (laughs) But it's like a, I think a lot of people know that too. Right. I think for us, the big thing is that networking that you do with your friends, finding, you know, collaborators like yourself who are passionate and motivated more by like a cool product than they are by the money and also by the opportunity to learn something for Mm -hmm. us. Like Eric gets hired to shoot very professional things, but doesn't get hired often to shoot film. I think that was a huge draw for him coming in and, you know, people were willing to work on a lower budget because they knew like, well, this is going to be on film, which is going to look really great. I don't get to work on that much, you know, being able to offer little things like that or a big thing, like this is my concept. I think we can execute on it and it's going to look really cool if we get it done you know, think of those as like a resource to offer people. And I think too, especially if your budget is limited, you can almost treat, this is going to sound dumb, but stick with me. It makes sense in my head. Um, <laughs> is you can almost treat like Mad Libs, like your music video. Cause like you, if you have unlimited budget, you can do literally anything. But mm-hmm. if you don't have unlimited budget, you might have some budget, but then you have a friend, like you said, a yacht, Cameron. Mm-hmm. Well, like, let's say you have a relative who has a yacht that's an ask. That's a favor Mm -hmm. you can ask. And that can kind of, you know, shift your creative towards maybe being able to use a yacht because that production value is what's going to add like the wow factor to Mm -hmm. your music video. So yeah, I guess the other thing too is just like always asking for favors because uh, it's totally (laughs) fine. Like it sounds terrible, but ask for favors. Yeah. It'll help guide your creative. Don't ask strangers for favors generally. That's, that's usually, don't do that. doesn't go well, but right. Join a Facebook group, look for like a, a film group in your community, anything like that. And like share some of your work, appreciate other people's work. You know, don't come across as somebody who's just looking to take advantage of people. You know, that's not just something you need to do to survive in this industry, but it's like a good quality as a a human being. And yeah, like Wes said, look for that thing, that one thing that's going to add a ton of production value. You know, we got a great location and we're able to get it for very cheap, you know, relative to what a lot of productions pay. And because of that, we were like, we are going to get like six of our seven, five of our seven setups, I think there. And we did, you know, and because of that, we were in and out one day, you save a lot of money doing things like that. And then I think for the other ones, you know, we just set up like plastic drop cloth in Wes's garage and, and, and pushed lights through them. And that created this really cool, really dreamy aesthetic. Like you have to either figure out how to do these things for really cheap, like we did there, or you need to know somebody who does, cause you can still get really great products for, for, you know, limited budget. And, and full disclosure, we also had to cut corners on this. Like we, there was an idea, like the desert aesthetic was definitely always there. Like, so first off Malik's car in the video, there's also some behind the scenes bits, uh, doesn't, doesn't actually run. Not even a little bit. He he has two MR2s. And when I met him, one of them ran, 
<laughs> and the other one didn't. And then they both stopped running. And one of them, the nicer one, was was in the shop, but they couldn't because that car is so old and rare. They didn't have the the part to fix it. So like the nicer <laughs> one was in the shop. So we had to use the not as nice one that didn't ran. So the idea, like originally, we were like, let's shoot this in West Texas. Let's shoot it like on a desert road. I think, and it perfectly matched the mood boards we made. It matched the vision. It matched everything. And then we just had to be realistic of like. How, I mean, what are we going to do? Tow this car all the way eight hours west Texas? It's like no, so we and back, yeah. Which would have cost like I mean, we could have done it. It would have just cost like half our budget, right. which right. then would have like we couldn't have shot on film. So like it's always like a give and take. And we were lucky enough to know someone who knows someone who like owns a court like a rock quarry, and for like a hundred bucks, we were able to use that for the day. So then we're like cool that's way better <laughs> we just couldn't re- we couldn't record sound because they were firing guns like a mile away in the range. <laughs> exactly but we didn't luckily it didn't, we didn't, didn't need, need sound to. yeah and it's it's one of those things where like that kind of directed the creative because in my head i had imagined like lots of desert like daft punk like trauma was one of the inspirations we use a lot and and then we get there and it's like it's definitely not deserty because there's like certain angles you can see like trees and we definitely didn't want that but we found like rock faces and we found and then we got there and like another thing is like what Cameron mentioned is being like fluid the day of the shoot we got there and we had this one shot for indigo which this podcast will be live when indigo goes up that's cool and I had the the cover of Akira in my head of like like walking around like a red car or like a red motorcycle and I was like that'd be so cool but I had no idea how we were going to pull it off the day of so I was happy for it to like not happen and then we get to the the day of the shoot and up on top of the quarry is like this huge ledge and I just asked the, our like location rep, I'm like, can we go up there? Because we had a long zoom lens. And he was like, yeah. He's like, I can take you up there. <laughs> so then we're like, okay, cool. Like we didn't, we went into that day not even thinking we could get that mm-hmm. shot. And then we just were like, you know, just chill. And if he had said no, that's okay, too. We're not going to be pushy. But yeah, Indigo came out with that like Akira look because of, of that. <laughs> so definitely like being fluid and, and being open-minded is important when you're, you know, going about creative. Right. It sounds like, I mean, a lot of that has to do with contacts like you said people you know calling on friends and stuff mm-hmm. like that maybe for for somebody who doesn't know somebody right off the top of their head who's involved in like this type of production and stuff like that where's a place that uh, an artist could go to look for people like you who have these connections have the knowledge for how to do all of this well i think a lot of it comes down to just like finding communities in your community, like whether that's on Facebook, like I know I'm still, I'm from Orlando and I'm still in a bunch of Facebook groups from there are like Orlando photographers. And I see people collaborating in those. And then I'm sure that, I mean, I'm not as aware, but there's probably filmmaking groups too. I'm fortunate enough to like work at a production company where I have in a, a very huge like production hub, which is Austin, Texas. And I have all these connects, but it's, it, it really, I think one key thing too is I was listening to a podcast with with Logic actually on it and his like manager who's like his same age and he hired him when like Logic was like 21. He hired this 21 year old to be his manager. It was like a terrible idea at the time, (laughs) but obviously it worked out. And I think what's so cool is if like what I mentioned earlier is you might not need those connections, but you can find someone like like minded with you to like offload work and who's as excited about these projects as you so like if you're out there like wanting to direct music videos yeah like finding someone who's in who really wants to edit music videos Mm -hmm. and then someone who like really wants to shoot music videos and then now you have like yourself a little three-man team you might not have the connections but if you practice enough like practice like with friends or with family and like and you shoot stuff and you you one day you meet this person who has has produced some music videos now you have that one connection i think a lot of it's just like being open-minded and networking like a good way Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like without being a, a toxic person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It won't feel like networking at the time. You're at that point, right. you're just making friends who have similar interests to you. Like, yeah. Like Wes said, if you go into it, just looking for what somebody can do for you, then then you're probably not going to build a very good relationship there. And keep in mind that that all takes time too. Like if you want to make a music video and you don't have any, you know, you don't have a technical skill set with cameras or editing, like 
you know, don't lose interest in making that music video. Just know that like, if someone wanted to make a song and they've never recorded and they don't know anything about mixing, then you wouldn't expect them like on their first try to like totally knock it out of the park. There's probably some people that can, and those people are crazy, but like, you know, that's, it's not realistic. Like it's going to take some practice. It's going to take a lot of learning. It's a whole new industry that people build whole careers out of. So like, give yourself a goal of learning something about it. And then Maybe while you're learning how to run a camera, you're going on YouTube and watching tutorials and going on subreddits and things like that. You'll run into people who uh, you can collaborate with at that point. Certainly easier to do, like Wes also said, if you are in a production hub or a bigger city and you'll have to be a, a bit more deliberate with it if you're, you know, in a, in a more rural area. But also, you know, maybe it's an opportunity to do a little bit of traveling make a weekend out of making something like most music videos can honestly be shot in a day or two, especially if you're only using one location or two. Yeah. To like actually answer your question though, Kobe, like I actually thought of a way like perfectly to answer your question. Cause I feel like <laughs> good job. We just, we, we just answered like basically figure it out, but also <laughs> neither of us got to the position of directing and then camera editing and like helping on set for this music video by like just hoping the universe would let us do this. We, I mean, I got here, I met all my connections through photography, which is not directing music videos. Mm -hmm. Cameron got here by being a production assistant on lots of productions and then becoming an editor. So it's like, it's one of those things where like, you have to get your foot in the door somehow. I have a friend, Hannah Lasser, she's a production assistant on Spectrum. And now she's gonna, she's like working on like directing and producing on her own, but like getting your foot in the door, like whether that's, I mean, most places, whether it's a big city or not, will have, you'll have some, like, whether it's like a news station or like a, a, some sort of like local production team that makes commercials, getting involved with these type of people, those would be good connections to have too. So like you become, I mean, and it's one of those things that you, like I said earlier, you have to be like cool about it. You can't be one of these people who's just trying to meet others to climb the social, like you have to, has to feel like genuine, but but meeting someone at one of these production companies who edits or does location scouting or something like that, well, then when, you, when you're shooting your music video, you might be able to just text them and be like, hey, do you have any, we're really like hoping to, we have no money to spend, but we're really hoping to shoot in a warehouse. Do you have any connections? And then that's the scenario of like, oh yeah, actually I know someone with a warehouse that probably let you just use it for free. And then you're like, okay, cool. It, it is entirely about who you know. And I feel like it does take time but it's also not impossible yeah. for anyone. And you, YouTube is a great place to learn like technical knowledge outside of, out of that. So as is probably the case in, in the audio industry, maybe some of the most common words we get in the film industry is there's no money behind this. <laughs> it's like every time my phone blows up from a, a, a contact, I don't have saved. It's usually like, Hey, can you come work on this? No money or like really low budget. It's like, yeah, that's totally. It'll look sure. great in your reel. It'll, It'll look, look great <laughs> in your portfolio. Like, for sure. Yeah, that happens all the time in audio. Yeah. I mean, I, one of the things that goes into that, I think, is that a lot of the times people, if they haven't done it before, if they've never been a part of a music video or never been, they've never made a record or whatever, they don't know the challenges that go into mm -hmm. doing something. So, like, what are some of the major challenges that, like, the uninitiated might not be aware of that we can kind of, like, like squash the misconception about how easy this is or whatever? Um, coming up with something original for sure. I mean, how many millions of music videos have been made and like, especially as a, a new filmmaker, if you're going into it without a meticulously crafted vision, then you're probably just going to create something that is very close to something that has heavily inspired you, maybe without even realizing it. So there's a, a whole gamut of technical things that could be difficult, like editing, your camera guy shows up with a really fancy camera and shoots in 6k. And then you go and try to edit that on your, your laptop, like yeah. your laptop's going to melt. So like, you know, <laughs> you can run into those technical issues and, and you solve those by just like having people around who know not to do those things. Uh, I would say creatively is where you're going to run into things that can really kind of deflate you and shut down your, mm -hmm. your music video pretty quickly. Yeah. I think the equipment in general just doesn't matter mm -hmm. um, whether you're shooting on film or a nice camera or you have like really expensive lights. None of that matters if your idea sucks mm -hmm. and vice versa. If your idea is amazing, you could definitely shoot a music video on an iPhone. I mean, they, mm -hmm. they've shot like the movie Tangerine by Sean Baker is shot on an iPhone and it's a beautifully shot movie. So I think it's just, yeah, it's spending your time in the pre-production world planning and like creating something original 
rather than, and I've been guilty of it, you know, early on in my career being like, yeah, you know what? Let's, I will just show up with a camera and we're going to shoot your music video. And you know what didn't work is showing up with the camera yeah. and shooting. <laughs> everything's, <laughs> everything's handheld, like the exposure is yeah. all wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, I mean, you think about it, like music, a lot of like the biggest directors get, have got like David Fincher, like you mentioned him, but he got to start directing music videos and they're just, they're three minute productions, mm-hmm. you know, and movies, they're like 90 minute productions that take years to prepare. So if you think about it on that like scale, like, you should spend more than maybe a day or so. Sometimes, you know, sometimes that's the reality we live in. And like, I know people in LA who direct music videos who are like, yeah, Travis Scott called me on Monday and said, we need to direct this music video on Wednesday. And it's like, that's insane. But <laughs> they also, they also have a ton of money on, on yeah. a music video like that. But it, right. so if you don't have a ton of money, spend a, as much time as you possibly can, like m- coming up with something really cool and original. And have that catalog of ideas in the back of your head. If, if Travis Scott calls you and needs you to direct for him on Wednesday, then then you're probably not just going to create a brand new concept. You're pulling something from in True. here and executing right. on that. There's a great resource for uh, music video directors out there called Film Grab. It's a website. It's film-grab.com. And it is a website that's just like stills from movies. You can sort by director. You can search by movie title. You can search by cinematographers. You can search by production designer, which is a huge thing that I feel like people miss out on. And so if you really like 2001 A Space Odyssey, you can look at that and it'll suggest you like other sci-fi films or movies that those filmmakers worked on outside of that. And it's amazing inspiration because I, I mean, I could go through it like each frame of spectrum is very derivative of something that we were inspired by. And it's mm. just, we just kind of like, we're like, oh, we really like Akira. We really like Toonami. We, re- we really like There Will Be Blood. There, we really like Electroma. Let's just like copy and paste that into across the project. What's that, what was that called again? Film Grab? Yeah, I wrote that yeah, one. Film yeah. Grab. Film dash grab. It sounds like a com. good resource even just for like songwriting. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh yeah, absolutely. It sounds like something that would be inspiring for that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's all like high like very high resolution stills too. It's really mm-hmm. nice. It's way better than just trying to like Google like screenshots of a movie. It's really nice. Nice. So if an artist and a director have like come up with a concept and they're kind of ready to go, all the pre-production stuff has happened. When it comes to actually shooting something, I feel like for an artist, that could be a really stressful time. Mm-hmm. Are there any things that you guys can suggest for artists to do to prepare for actually shooting their music video? Yes. you. If you're an artist by the shooting music video, you should absolutely, I mean, this is obvious. And I, I hate that I have to say this. You should absolutely be able to perform the whole song without messing up. <laughs> and I, and you're laughing, but that, that's oh, not yeah. as common. Like that, that is a thing. Like, oh, like you should know your song and not only should you know your song, you shouldn't only be able to recite it. You should be able to like, you should be practicing in the mirror of like what you will look like because yes, a director can help you with that. But that, that's, that comes down to the artist. Like mm-hmm. Malik was an, like a godsend because he, I had ideas and I had ways to suggest this, but he showed up on the day, not just knowing every word and never, like never messing. I think maybe across like all eight songs, he flubbed like one word. Not only did he know the songs, he knew the facial expressions. He knew how he wanted to move his arms. He knew like the entire energy he wanted to bring into it. Cause he, and he, I talked to him about it and he's like, yeah, dude, like uh, leading up to it, I spent a lot of time in the mirror just or like recording myself doing it. And it's like, it's so important because if you don't, I mean, nothing is more frustrating than, I mean, you guys have seen it watching a music video where it's just like, it's supposed to be high energy and it's just this like low energy, like (laughs) they're only thinking about, they're so focused on saying the words correctly that they're not moving their arms. They're not like, it depends on the concept, but like, they're not moving their body. They're not like, it's not interesting. And that that adds so much and it, it can, especially if you're shooting on film, I mean, you might, you probably won't be. If it's one of your first ones, but if if you are shooting a film, it's like literally every second is costing you money. I mean, we we budgeted for five rolls of film on Spectrum because we just accounted for Malik messing up. We, that was one of those things. We in the schedule, we had a very loose schedule because we budgeted for him messing up and for us having like reset lighting and reset all this, and he just didn't. And it was it saved us. It literally saved us like a thousand dollars. Is what I'm like. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Is like it's so important mm-hmm. for an artist to be good at that. Well, I think it's it's crazy too because like I'm, I'm sure artists come into things they, they've rehearsed for shows and stuff like that. Maybe they've practiced a bunch in front of a mirror, but 
a, a music video, it's there are going to be shots that are much closer up on your face. Those are things that you're not thinking about on stage. You know, you're right. not thinking about those like micro expressions and stuff like that. So I don't know. I think that's a really tricky thing that people might come into a music video shoot not quite being ready for or even like aware that that's going to be a thing that they have to think about. Yeah. Once once you're in front of a camera, the freezing up is such a common issue in film. Like whether it's like on a commercial or a music video or a movie, you know, you can prepare your lines or the lyrics to your song as much as you want, but you have to like mentally place yourself in front of that camera in preparation because the second you're there, you know, you're going to have a director and a, a cinematographer and an AC and all these people staring at you and you can't really choke in that moment. There's a lot more pressure than you expect. Some artists might not care as much about those micro expressions, but mm-hmm. if, you, if you're an artist that cares exact, like exactly what you're going to look like the day of, there is no problem with you like reaching out to your director or reaching out to your, your cinematographer or your editor, anyone who's working on it and literally just ask to like rehearse it. Yeah, And okay. that even if that's like, they bring their iPhone and put it on like a little like $5 Amazon tripod in your bedroom and they like zoom it in on your face and they just record you doing it a bunch and let you see what you're doing. And like, you just got to be there. You just got to like, I mean, Malik was, it was such a good process and like it flowed so well because he so badly wanted it to be good. So he like spent the time making sure that he was prepared the day of. And then when it came there, I mean, I remember we shot yellow, the one that's in the video, we shot two, we shot an alternative version of the yellow that, that didn't make it into the cut, but the yellow that's in it, he showed up the day of, and we're like, all right, you ready? And he's like, let's do it. And he like got in his like wardrobe. And I mean, we started shooting that day at like 2 PM and at like 2 15, we were already like wrapping the first look. Yeah. I think he got it on the first take. He much. got it on the first take. And when we went back to look through, like, like, like I said, like some of these, we did like five takes just to be sure with like the different zooms or the different like camera movement. A lot of them, we just looked at and we're like, it's the first take mm-hmm. or the red, which is the first one in the, in the video. That's an interesting one because we shot red. So we did shoot this over two days. It was like a day and a half, really. And the studio day that was in my garage, as Cameron said, started off with red with a certain like lighting setup. And we we shot like six takes and we're like, all right, let's move on. And there was something in the back of my head that was like, I don't think that we have enough energy in this because and it's not Malik's fault. I think we need more like camera movement. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to say anything unless we have time. And at the end of the day, we had like 45 seconds of film left. And it was one of those things where like, I mean, the film's getting processed regardless. And we didn't want to start a new role, but it was like, we got to shoot something. And we got finished with black and we're like, let's just do one. We have enough film for one take. Let's do one of you doing red again, but let's like change up the light and let's do lots of zooms. And he's like, okay, I'm down. And we were just like, we did it. And as soon as, as soon as it ran out, we heard the film catch and start (laughs) like spinning. And we're like, and we went back and watched it. Or we watched it after we got processed, and we're like, "That's it. That one, the very last take was the was the one." Because all the other ones were like really static, and I felt like it wouldn't have fit. But like the, that last one, he just. But it, moments like that wouldn't work if he had messed up a word. Because mm-hmm. if he had messed up a word, film would have ran out and been like, "Okay, well, we're going to use one of the earlier ones." So I worked on a uh, a Spotify music video a couple years ago for the band Midland. They have that song "Drinking Problems" that was really big. Hmm. And they had uh, this, it didn't occur to me until after we actually made Spectrum what they were doing. They had essentially pre recorded the entire music video, how they'd pictured it, basically in rehearsal. And they just recorded all the rehearsals until they got it just right in rehearsal and then took those clips with them on the day. And, you know, you're in a new setting. They, we were in like all these different locations. It was a huge production. So you had a ton of equipment and multiple cameras. And it's hard to like remember those exact moments and, and you know that you're missing something. So they would just pull up those clips. They had a monitor for them and just being able to, as soon as they watched the clip, they'd be like, perfect, right back to it. And I mean, you're a performer. So like, I think as soon as you get back into that headspace, it's just going to click for you. You can kind of trust your instinct there. But if you, if you are really worried about that, if our, if our warning you has created enough anxiety, <laughs> then, uh, then pre-record it and just have it in your pocket ready to go. Yeah. And so, yeah, like Cameron says, it's so important. Wes Anderson, director of like, you know, Life Aquatic and all these movies, he is so meticulous. And if you're the artist or you're the director of these music videos and whoever is like, whoever's listening to this, and if you care so much and you want something to look, like I said earlier, 
no one knows what you're thinking. So like sometimes the best way to be prepared the day of, if you're like a director is like, if you don't have a storyboard artist, like Wes Anderson sits down with a camera and he will shoot his entire movie in his house, like frame by frame. He'll shoot, he'll play every role and he'll shoot the entire movie so that with the day of, there's no question of like how he wants the direction to be of the, of the actor, which obviously you have to be collaborative. So like, if someone's like, well, I think I would, I would rather do it like this, but then like, there's no question with the cinematographer, the staging or the movements or anything. It's like, here's my vision. It's like, I mean, that's like as prepped as you possibly can be. And if, mm. and maybe that's something someone listening might want to want to try for a project. If, if it, if you have such a specific vision, because in one day you only have so much time and you only have so much money. So it's like those, those prep days don't cost you anything theoretically. So definitely, Mm -hmm. definitely be prepared. It sounds like you guys are pretty thorough with your work. So I'm wondering in this subjective realm that we work in, how do you guys deal with revisions? No revisions ever. I'm the other. (laughs) No revisions. I'll I'll delete the footage. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) It kind of, it, it kind of depends in this, in the world of like, production unless you're working on like a really high budget thing you don't really have the means to go back and like have pickup days so in the edit room we can do as many i mean cameron i'm sure is happy to do as many revisions and like malik sat there with him and watch it like he said it's not a very edit intensive project in the editing suite there's lots of revisions there's lots of like fine-tuning but when it comes to like pickup shots and revisions like i mean you're spending so much money per day not just on like the film and all that but like crew location all this stuff that you like you don't really have like revisions aren't really possible Mm -hmm. if you if by that you mean like reshoots revisions of the edit are very common and sometimes it it comes down to like uh you have it cutting from this shot to this shot on this beat it should be on this beat like down to like as meticulous as that but yeah hopefully if you're prepared there's nothing crazy that we shoot that like the artist gets back or like the management company or like the agency or the producing team or anyone gets back and they're like wait what like hopefully if you've done your job they're like pretty understanding of what you're going to do that was like the big thing that i was going into spectrum is like i made sure that malik was like very clear with the digital marketing team and everyone i was like i want them to know that they're not getting like a full narrative one song music video they're getting 30 second and one of them 17 seconds but like they're getting these shorter vignettes and he's like yep they, they know but like had we not had that discussion and he just got this budget from this company and they were just like, okay, go shoot a music video. And we turned in eight 30 seconds clips. That's not a music video, but luckily he had those conversations and there was nothing, there's nothing to come up. So. Mm. Yeah. So it's, it's very much on the pre-production side of things. I mean, we talk about pre-production for the audio side of stuff for like recording a record all the time. It's super, super important, but it sounds like it's even more important in this situation because of the cost of having, if you had to go back and reshoot something, it's, mm-hmm way more expensive than whatever, like overdubbing a guitar part on a record or something right, like that. Right, yeah. Right, and I mean, we, you know, there's a process to this, to filmmaking that it scales and it makes sense to act like you're a big production when you're a small one and in certain ways like that, like not leaning on the idea of like, oh, we can reshoot something. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, think about like, I mean, Marvel movies and they, they have the money to reshoots, but each of those reshoot days will cost them a million dollars. Some <laughs> <Yeah>. shit. Like, <laughs> it's insane. So you think about that and you're like, on our scale, like maybe a reshoot day costs us like four grand. It's like, we just can't do that. And we just shouldn't be trained to think that we can. So right. it's like, we just kind of go into it being like, nope, not an option. Let's be prepared. Yeah. Because at the lower level of uh, the lower budget level of filmmaking, maybe more important than like the the extra $500 or $1,000 it would cost to go back to that bar and get that pickup is the time it would take to get, you know, however many people you need there. Uh, you have to be really respectful of people's time and just know that like, as soon as we're done shooting, like their contract with this, this project is done. And like, if I need to bring them back in, it's like, it's like starting up a whole new contract. And I, I have a friend who works on massive, you know, blockbuster scale projects and, even there, they like don't want to reshoot, you know, like if they can avoid it, they will. If you're working on a Marvel movie and they're just like, well, we want to get this, this one shot, like they're probably not going to do it in most cases. Even <laughs> if the director wants it, the producer's going to say, no, we've already spent $240 million. We're not going back. So, you know, it, it happens anywhere. You, you really need to plan for it ahead of time and just get everything you need. Shoot more than, than what you think you might need. Cause honestly, right. especially if you're shooting digitally, like, 
it doesn't cost anything to fill up an SD card or something like that. Like fill it up, get as many takes as you think you can that as the schedule permits and give yourself that cushion in the edit. But you know, you also don't want to overshoot. I, I feel it feels bad to like also to say this right off the back of that, but like having the plan is so important because if you go into it thinking like, I just want to make sure I'm completely covered in my edit and have every angle, like you're going to run out of time. In film, yeah. we have assistant directors who are in, in charge of the schedule. So your first AD is is there with every single shot, how many minutes it should take to light that shot, how long it should take to get your actors through HMU, all of that. And they are like cracking the whip saying, hey, we've spent eight mm-hmm. minutes doing this. We can't spend 10 and getting and, people and moving. If they're doing their job right, I hate to say this, but like, they don't have to be assholes, but if they're doing their job right, they're going to come across as assholes yeah, because totally. they're the ones coming up to you being like, let's go. And then you, and they're like, how much longer? And you're like, five minutes. They're like, I'm giving you two minutes. Yep. Like you have two <laughs> minutes and we're moving on. Like that's that's the person on set. And it's it's super important because like there's a reason why like when a movie, a, a typically blockbuster movie gets like a ton, like a reshooting schedule, it makes headlines because it's just not the norm and mm. it shouldn't be the norm because of, yeah, it's just like bad I don't know. It's not, it's just not good because it costs a lot of money. You shouldn't right. be doing it. You'll, you'll probably have to be that person on your set or the producer will have to be that right. person on your set. Uh, so knowing that that is normally a whole responsibility given to an entire department of people on, on bigger sets. Like that's how important it is. Mm-hmm. Right. Like the sun is going to set. People are mm-hmm. going to get hungry and the camera batteries are going to get low. Like all these things need to take into account, like being prepared the day of and r- making sure you're not going to run over time. Yeah. So to switch gears a little bit, just thinking about like all of these people being involved in this is making me think about like the end result of the video. Like all of these people have put so much time into something and there's so many more people involved in like a video than there are in like recording a record even. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm wondering about like the promotion side of things. Like once something has actually been filmed, been edited, it's done. Like how, I, I, this is probably a topic that could be a whole podcast episode on its own, but are there any kind of key strategies that people should be looking to do to actually get eyeballs on their video once they have finished it? Yeah, I think Malik's in a good position because he's, he has an actual like digital marketing team due to his connections. And most people don't, and that's totally fine. I would say I actually do have a few tips. For, I, I have a friend. She used to be the person who ran the social media accounts at Star Wars. <laughs> so she gave me a good tidbit of detail that like you should reduce how many steps it takes to get to your content. And it sounds simple, but like I it even happened when I was talking to Malik and he was like, okay, what do you think? Should I put it on? So should I put it on YouTube the day it drops? And then should I just link it in my bio? And I was like, no, you should put it on IGTV and then just share IGTV to your story. And cause that removes like, I think the statistic is like every step you're losing like 60% of your audience at each step. Hmm. So if it takes three steps to get to your thing, that's exponentially way smaller than if you just put it on your thing, you'll put it on your social media. Mm-hmm. And so reducing the steps. So like, IGTV is great. TikTok has a limit, but but definitely another thing too that mentioned, that just reminds me is like put it across platforms yes. and put it everywhere. Put it on TikTok, put it on YouTube, put it on Vimeo, put it on Instagram, put it on your Facebook, have your friends watch it, link it everywhere because you just never know what might catch on and like how, how people are going to find it. And another thing, another idea is tease it. Like spend some time, like weeks leading up to it putting up pictures from the day you guys shot it, put up like behind the scenes stills, put up screenshots, maybe like so many, I mean, this is no offense to people making podcasts. So many people are making podcasts, maybe like find a podcast to like talk about your project on that and get excited about. And right. just like get the buzz going, even if it's locally. Like, I mean, before I was in the place I'm in now, I just lived in like a suburb of Orlando. And when I had a new video going up or a new like music video, I would just like nudge my friends to nudge their friends to nudge their friends. And it was just like kind of this thing. We'd be playing Xbox. I'd tell them to go check it out on YouTube. Like just kind of like a word of mouth thing. And when you drop those like teaser photos, then it gets people kind of thinking about it. And even if they're not like big fans of the artists, or if you're the artist, if even if they're not like your biggest supporters, if you just tease it and tease it, you're kind of training them to be like, okay, actually I'm interested in this thing. And that's how you like gain that like snowball, like momentum. 
Yeah, you. I had two things I was going to say, and you took both of them. Put put it <laughs> put it everywhere and tease it. For me, coming from the editing background, I have a list of all of the file formats that each platform needs, and it's good to like get that list going. So this way, I know. Okay, I've finished this video, and they're going to want to promote it. So I'm going to give them, you know, a portrait formatted, so a nine by sixteen format version of this video that's 15 seconds long, and it's perfect for their Instagram story. And then I'm going to give them under two minutes for their Twitter, but it can be the normal, you know, aspect ratio and all, all of that, knowing those things so that you have like five different formats, varying lengths. Cause you also don't want to post, if you have a three and a half minute music video, you don't want to just post that everywhere. Cause you're not going to get that many people to just click on a three and a half minute video and sit there and watch the whole thing. Like give them a teaser. Right. As soon as they click through and go to watch something else, they're much more likely to stay there. And you can use the teaser to like hook them. If you have a really great part, if you dumped more resources into this one scene, like tease that, use that as promotional material, make it look as professional as possible, not just in the production, but also in the marketing for it. Because there's so much media out there at this point, like there's a ton of low quality stuff and a lot of it just bounces off of us. It's the, it's the high quality stuff that catches your eye. There's also lots of online like music video festivals mm -hmm. and like whether they're locally or they're some random music video festival that happens in another country or something, you can submit your music video to these festivals. They all have their own rules, whether like if you submit to us, you, it can't be released yet or this one, you can't submit to the other festivals, but like submitting to places like that gets other filmmakers gets their eyes on it. And if it's something cool, they might reach out to collaborate. It gets other artists looking at it. I think, I think that just is an extension of just making sure it's everywhere. It's every, and it's not hard to find. If you don't know much about SEO, like search and engine optimization, then make sure is that, is that the acronym? That's the acronym, yep, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just have it making sure like the SEO make like, is good. And then you have like searchable words and, and it all is like easy to find. It's just, it's just very important. Yeah. I mean, I think for musicians specifically, video is one of those things that is, it's frustrating to me because people, I feel like a lot of musicians treat video as sort of a secondary thing. Like the music video is like, I don't know if you have the budget for it, or if you have time for it, but like in this type of media age, social media age and everything, like when people are scrolling, if you have like your song over, I don't know, even just like a, a generic, like SoundCloud, whatever, like logo with the music and it's like you have to have your volume on on your phone to even know that something's happening or, or whatever yeah. it is mm -hmm. just having that little extra thing to catch your attention i think is a missed opportunity for a lot of people yeah having i mean it's it's very standard marketing practice but having a call to action on your the caption of your post or having it in the video um i have a friend who does digital marketing and she talks about how it's like 80 percent of people don't watch videos on their phone with the sound on like you said right. so it's like having a subtitle on that video that says like that says what you're watching that's just like new music by artists here check out video here or something like that and it it might hook them it might and the thing is is it won't like people get excited about engagement rates of like 10 percent on instagram so like be prepared for not everyone that you know to watch your video and right that's, that's okay too <laughs> yeah it's, it's probably not going to go and make you a ton of money either like there's not a ton of money in music videos but you know like Wes suggested going to a festival with it, that there are ways to get benefits from it. And just really getting eyes on your music is probably the most important thing anyway. But it's also, it's, it's, it's such a good tool. Like music videos are such a good tool for brand building for exactly, your own yeah. personal identity. Like if you are a music artist like Malik, who is obsessed with like Stanley Kubrick and, and Wes Anderson, these movies, having something visual that like shows that is just like it hooks people more mm -hmm. in, in the world of Malik. Like if you're just putting music on SoundCloud or you're just putting music on Spotify, it stops there. But if you're showing people like, like, cause Malik is like interested in like making a clothing line and doing all this stuff. Like the more you do that, the more it shows an expression of yourself, which is why people are listening to your music to begin with. Mm -hmm. So, well, I think it can change the way people listen to your music also, totally. because yeah. I, I can think of a ton of artists where I heard a song or whatever, and it was fine. I enjoyed it or whatever. And then I saw the video and I got it. Yeah. You know, yeah. like that's the the next step to actually appreciating the music. So exactly. absolutely. Yeah. I think people should be doing it a lot more than they are, um, yep. which I mean, budgets are of course the, the main thing holding people back. But I think you guys gave a lot of good tips for getting stuff done, even with small budgets. So Sweet. I'm sure people are going to take away a lot from that. Yeah. hope so. 
Well, with this video with Malik, it's not out yet. Can you let our listeners know when that's going to be out so they can go check it out and where they can find it and all that stuff? Yeah, right now, um, the clips have been teased on both Malik's Instagram and Twitter. On It's Malik on the net, as I believe his, his Instagram out at. But um, my Instagram at is A-T-W-E-S, at Wes. On February 8th, it will be dropping in its entirety on YouTube, on Instagram, and everything. So February 8th, 2021, Malik is called Spectrum the Test Run. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. So everybody should go check that out. And yeah, I'm excited to to see it go up and see the response to it. I think it's a unique project. So I'm really excited to see what it what it does in the end. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> Can't wait. It's been it's been six months of waiting to finally get this edit done. And uh yep. yeah, we're really excited to share it. So very cool. Well, well, thank you guys both for taking the time to come on here and, and talk to us about this. I feel like we covered a ton of ground. I feel like I'm coming out of it with a better idea of things that people could actually go out and do to apply this to their own music careers, find the right people to connect with mm-hmm. and, and really make something cool. So thank you guys both for, for coming on. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Thanks for, having, thanks us for having us on. Yeah. Thank you guys again for coming on and talking about a little something different. This podcast If you enjoyed this exotic episode of (laughs) Self-Signed Artists, go ahead and leave us a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you thought. And we'll look forward to seeing your music videos in the near future. That's right. That's all we've got for you on this episode, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Self-Signed Artist. Peace. See you guys. Bye.